Good morning, good crowd here. We appreciate everybody's presence so much. I'm thankful for our opportunity to bring you this lesson. I invite you all to pull out your Bibles in front of you, the one you brought with you, and follow along with me. Make sure I don't mess up. We have a simple lesson this morning. I came out. Of, it comes out of 1 Samuel, there in that historical uh, account of when Saul had become king, appointed by the great prophet Samuel. So we'll be out of 1 Samuel chapter 11, a little bit of 11, mostly in chapter 12 of 1 Samuel for our lesson today. And I'm quoting from those verses in that chapter, the good and right way. So what a simple lesson that would be for us this morning. Verse 23 is where we got that quote. Of course, we all know Samuel, one of the great prophets of the Old Testament, appointed by God to carry on his mission. Well, he was a prophet and also a judge. That meant he was a leader, wasn't he, for the people, and also a priest, great man in the Old Testament. Well, at the time, the Jews decided they needed a king. All the nations around them needed to had a king, and they thought they needed one too. Well, this wasn't in God's plan, but he decided to let them uh, have a king, and Samuel appointed Saul. You can read about that in the chapters before chapter 12, and you'll see that uh, Saul was confirmed, great dramatic scene where he's anointed. But God had an issue with the Jews, that, uh, wanting something that was against his will, so Israel had sinned. And here in this farewell speech of Samuel in chapter 12, he tells them again about this sin and uh, encourages them to get back on this straight and narrow way. As we read through this about this good and right way, remind me centuries later, Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 6, where he says, this is what the Lord says, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. You know, we need to say that to ourselves every now and then, don't we? We need to look for the good way. We need to look for these old things that are trying to be run over by man. But here we're going back to the Old Testament here this morning and finding out what this good way is as we continue on in Samuel's farewell speech in 1 Samuel chapter 12. Well, I'm going to take a few verses out of this farewell speech and we'll expand on them a little bit. And hopefully I won't lose you here. But we see in verse 19, we'll start a little bit before that. We see in verse 17 how upset Samuel is with them and how the Israelites have now realized they had sinned. And I'll start reading in 1 Samuel 12 there in verse 17, that's verse 16. Now then, stand still and see this great thing the Lord is about to do for your eyes. So Samuel's going to make a point with these Israelites. He says, I'm going to send some thunder and some rain. So he's going to call the weather. Uh, that Tell them that what he's got to say is something they need to pay attention to. So all the people stood in awe of the Lord and of Samuel. So he said, you will realize what an evil thing you did in the eyes of the Lord when you asked for a king. And he emphasized that with the thunder and lightning. That would rattle their cages, I'm sure. You can see how they respond there as we continue on in verse 19. The people all said to Samuel, <clears throat> uh, 
pray to the Lord your God for your servants so that we will not die. For we have added to all our other sins the evil of asking for a king. And they knew they were in trouble. You can see here they had a real motive. They were worried about what was going to happen to them. You know, this fear of hell is something we all need to incorporate in us also. Something to help us to stray, uh, stay on the straight, narrow path of the Lord. We read in 2 Corinthians there, Paul writing to those people in Corinth in chapter 5. He talks about how God knows what we're about. Here in verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's all of us. And each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We are all well known to God and I also trust are well known in your consciences. Paul's telling us here we're not going to get away with anything. We're not going to hide from this judgment that we have going for us. Reading and continuing in Hebrews chapter 10, this is a fearful thing. He says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We need to respect that, incorporate that into our lives also. And we'll remain respectful. It would be easier for us to stay true to God. This call of heaven is something we should all have in our hearts also. Heaven is calling us to do the things that we need to do. We want to live our lives so that we hear that call. Revelations chapter 22 touches on this topic. There it says, Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Of course, that city he's talking about is heaven. And that's a call we all should heed. First Corinthians again in chapter 9. They're reading in verse 25. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Here Paul's talking about a race. He talks about all those who train for this race and how they're doing this for a prize that is uh, temporary. Nothing all that important. We have the Olympics. Those athletes train for years sometimes to try to obtain that gold medal. But that's a perishable crown, as he says there. He says, we as Christians, we want to compete and train for an imperishable crowd. You know, uh, this response we have from God, this opportunity we have for heaven, something we shouldn't uh, dismiss. Romans chapter uh, 2 tells us about our response. We should be grateful that we have this opportunity. We should love God because we have this opportunity. Romans 2 They're reading in verse 4. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? He's asking us to question our hearts. How are we going to respond to this? Are we going to despise all the blessings that God has provided for us? He says this goodness should motivate us to turn our lives around or motivate us to repent. Continuing in 1 John chapter 4, there in 19 it says, We love him, that's God, because he first loved us. So we all should pray that we'll not fall into the judgment of God. We all should pray that we will not die separate from our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Now these Old Testament 
uh, believers, these Old Testament Jews, they were afraid of that too. And they wanted this great prophet Samuel to pray for them. They were going to turn themselves around. They realized they had sinned. And they wanted to turn themselves back to God and do the things that he wanted them to do. As we read through this letter, this farewell letter of Samuel, we also see in verse 24, he says, Consider what great things he or God has done. Let's think about that for a while. What has God done for us? We see in first or in John three, they sent his son, his only begotten son, to die for us. There in those familiar verses, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's really no greater love, is there, that you have for your children? Think of God and his creations, his son Jesus Christ, how much he loved him. And how he let him be sacrificed on the cross for our sins. Sent his son to die for us on the cross so that we might be saved. Also we understand that he is willing to forgive us also. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. God has that opportunity for forgiveness in all our lives. We turn ourselves around, confess our sins to him, and continue to grow as Christians. He'll be merciful to us, even though we don't deserve it at all. He says that he'll remember it no more. He'll erase that whole slate before us. What a great thing he has done for us. Also, this is a little harder for us to understand more. But what a great thing he has done for us. When the writer in Galatians talks about being received into God's family. All Christians can claim this, as it says in Galatians 3. There it reads, for you, he's speaking to all of us today in this church this morning. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. How about that? You're in a just great family of Christians because you've done what God wanted you to do. Then you are received into his family. It's great to consider the things he has done for us. This is a great opportunity also as Christians. We need to take advantage of this opportunity of prayer. And God will hear your prayers. You're not just playing to your the wall in the room. You're not just praying to yourself. You're a Christian. God is listening to your prayers. What an awesome thing that it is. First John chapter 3. They're reading in verse 22. And whenever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do things that are pleasing in his sight. Continuing first John chapter 1. They're reading in verse 7. Talking about us walking the right path. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. Now, I have friends, I've had past friends, and the burden of sin of their past is still hanging on to them. 
In fact, they can't really break loose from it. They think that they could never be forgiven for their things they've done in the past. They think, and it kind of impedes them from growing also or becoming stronger in the faith to God. Well, God listens to our prayers and he also provides that avenue of forgiveness is something we should always consider and try to uh, break ourselves from that rut and get ourselves growing as Christians. You know, we all promise by God this home in heaven. And in John chapter 14, <clears throat> there it tells us <clears throat> how, we should be, how we should behave. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If I were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Here's Jesus Christ in the Gospel of John telling about his relationship with the Creator God and how the Creator has established this home in heaven for all his believers. What a great thing he has done. He talks about this mansion. There's rooms for everybody there, and it's being prepared for everyone also. And he tells us that Jesus Christ would be there also. What a great blessing to have. Consider the great plan that God has for us. Also in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, there in verse 1, For if we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. That's a good verse to remember. It talks about this temporary time that we're together here on earth. We've just had our brother Claude pass, and that brings that that that. Uh, reality to all of us. We're all going to pass away sometime. This body we're in now is described here as just a tent, something that's temporary. And uh, here, and then he talks about this uh, house not made with hands that's eternal in the heavens. What a great thing God has provided for us as followers of his faith. And Samuel here is telling those ancient Jews the same thing for them also. Continuing reading in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 12, I'll read uh, all of verse 24. But be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you, verse 25. Yet if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will be swept away. Telling us in verse 24 to fear the Lord. Sometimes that phrase fear is not really interpreted right, is it? People think uh, uh, the fear is something just being afraid of. Well, it's more of a, in the Bible when it's used, it's more of a respect or a reverence that's being promoted here. When we fear the Lord, that means we're going to respect what he says. And we revere the things that he says also. Fear the Lord, verse 24. Well, this is a theme throughout the Old and the New Testament. Respect we should have for our creator. Unfortunately, in today's world, it's oftentimes forgotten. I can't imagine all the disrespect. I can't imagine all the disrespect that is out through the nation here today. Well, reverence is a duty, and it's the duty for all Christians. We see in Matthew chapter 4, 
There reading in verse 10. And Jesus said to them, Away uh, with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. He was responding to one of, his, uh, one of the disciples here uh, uh, throwing some uh, objects in his way. And he, uh, shocking, I'm sure, he told him to away with you. I'm sorry, this is Matthew chapter 4. This is when the devil was tempting Jesus himself. So he's responding to Satan himself. For it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and shall serve him. What a good response to Satan who was trying to tempt him away from his prescribed path. Jesus let him know there's no other way except, except through God. Tuning in that theme in Luke chapter 16, verse 13, it says, No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So how many people you know that are like that, wanting to walk that thin line and not really committed to either side, wanting to enjoy the pleasures of this world, but wanting also to enjoy the pleasures of being a Christian? As a old Bob Dylan song says, you have to, Serve somebody. Can't just serve one or the other or be in the middle. Here, uh, we're told the same thing in the Bible. You can't serve two masters. Never works out very well at all. So this reverence is a great duty for us also. Matthew chapter 6, there in verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added to you. We've got to get our priorities straight. We first want to serve God. We keep that in our mind. Seek first the kingdom of God. See how everything else works out? Don't have to worry about that because you know what you're doing, what's right. Here in uh, Matthew chapter 6, get your priorities straight. Also, we know that this reverence or this fear of God is something that has a few guidelines. Reading in Proverbs 8, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance in an evil way. And persevere, perverse mouth, I hate. That's some of the guidelines we're given in Proverbs. Also reading on in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 17. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. You turn one away from the snares of death. It tells you how important that is. This reverence that we should have for God. <clears throat> Continuing with some. New Test, Old Testament scriptures here talking about the unsaved and the good book of Ecclesiastes there in chapter 8. Because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. See how that works in somebody's lives? Verse 12. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and his days are prolonged, Yet I surely know that it will be well with those who fear God, who fear before who fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked, nor will he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he does not fear before God. That puts it in a perspective, doesn't it? Even though we see the wicked prospering in this present life, here we see in the Old Testament, in the great book of Ecclesiastes, what really is going on here. This life they're living today is just called a shadow. 
something temporary. It talks about those who are in God and how they will end up in a lot better place. There in Matthew 10, continuing in his theme, verse 28, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's the kind of perspective we as mature Christians need to develop to understand that this fear of those that can cause us physical harm is in no comparison to the fear we should have for those that can call us, uh, cause us spiritual harm. That's why this respect for God is so important for us. You know, the saved, we need to perfect ourselves. We need to make ourselves better in this, in this same way. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, there in verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's how we do it. We maintain that respect for God. We maintain that growing faith. That's how we perfect ourselves, perfecting in holiness in the fear of God. Let's all set that as a goal for ourselves. Continue to grow, continue to get better, continue to get closer to where God would have us to do. Also in verse 24, talks about our service to God. Tells us there that we need to serve him in truth with all our hearts. <clears throat> that's what those Jews needed to do. Of course, that's what we need today also. You know, uh, Christ was uh, uh, talking to a woman, a Samaritan, in John chapter 4. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. You know, I'm oftentimes amazed by the basic faith that people have in their heart. I've met some very faithful people. You can tell just by the way they thought and the way they talked that they were very sincere in their faith. And their service to God is something that they held very dear. And you could tell they were so sincere, there was nothing that could shake them. The service they had for God was something that was wholehearted, something that kept them here in what is often called the greatest commandment in the last chapters of Matthew, chapter 20, last, last chapters of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 22, there Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You know all that? Heart, soul, and mind. All of that should be devoted in the service to God. Continuing on there in verse 38. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Let's apply that to our lives also. Getting our priorities straight. Understanding that our service to God is something we need to do with all our heart, with all sincerity, wholehearted in our service to God. Samuel reminded those Jews that's how they need to be also. Samuel's reminding us today in the great Old Testament we should be, do that also. We're going to find ourselves in trouble. If we don't do what's right, as we already read there in uh, verse 25, <clears throat> there it says, Saul's warning those Jews 
about being their evil ways and how they need to turn themselves around. He says, if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will be swept away. So here he threw them all into the same bucket, how they need to straighten themselves out. Unfortunately, we know the story of Saul, how that all turned out. We also know that the Jews didn't do too well either uh, in the future also. But they were warned here by their great prophet Samuel. He told them that they'd be swept away if they did the bad things that they've done in the past. We also have that powerful warning for us also. Familiar verse, Joshua chapter 24. In fact, I've seen little wall hangings with this verse on it also. There it says in Joshua 24, Joshua the prophet is asking the Jews, what's you going to do? Whom are you going to serve? There are those good verses of verse 15. He says, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were on the other side of the river, or the gods and the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, you all have to choose also. Who are you going to serve in your life? You know, it's a very dangerous thing to decide to go your own way. Very dangerous to take this alternate course or the way of the world. There in 1 Samuel chapter 12, backing up a little bit in verse 17, <clears throat> is it today not the wheat harvest? He asked them to consider this present time or the end. What's going on today? Well, they're involved in the wheat harvest. I will call to the Lord, and he will send thunder and rain, that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord, and asking a king for yourselves. You can tell that really shook them up when this sign was done for them. And it made them understand how dangerous this course, this alternate course, this worldly course had put them in such a bad way. And Samuel made great point for them. Samuel's making a great point for us today also. <clears throat> we need to consider the judgment of God. It's going to happen to all of us. We see in Matthew 25, they're reading in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, Jesus speaking here, and all the holy angels with him. Then he will sit on the throne of his glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep and the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right side, but on the goats on his left. So what's going here is a, is a judgment. Jesus is describing a judgment that's going to occur. He made it in simple language as if he was dividing a herd. But that's how he's going to do with the people of this earth. He will set those who are of Christ on his right and those without Christ on his left for eternal judgment. Reading on in Revelation chapter 20. There we begin reading in verse 12. 
And I saw the dead. This is a revelation to John. And he was taken to heaven and shown all kinds of things. Quite amazing. He left for us a great record of all those things so that we can understand what we have before us also. So take yourself, put yourself if you can, in John's mind as this revelation is made for him. And try to see the things that John has seen also as he described them for us. Let me begin again in verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one, according to his works. I'll repeat that again. They were judged, each one, according to his works. Then the death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is a second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We need to understand that the way we live our lives is going to affect us in the end when we're judged by Christ. If we do wickedly in this life, if we disregard God in the way he wants us to be, you see what happens to us as it's foretold in Revelations chapter 20. This judgment of God is an awesome and fearful thing. <clears throat> so this, for the summary we have here, try to pull this all together with all these verses I have in 1 Samuel 12, talking about this simple lesson of doing the good and the right things we have to do in Christ. There in verse 19, <clears throat> Jews were asking Samuel to pray for them that we will not die or that we will not be judged eternally and sent to hell. talks about the forgiveness we all have access to in Christ Jesus. Samuel asked them in verse 24, consider what God has done for him. Consider what God has done for those Jews. Of course, we today need to consider all the great things that God has done for us. The great love that God has for us is an awesome thing to consider. Continuing in verse 24, 1 Samuel 12, it tells us only fear the Lord. That's where we should put our respect. That's how we should put our reverence in verse, when, uh, <clears throat> when things come our way. Keep our perspective right. Also in verse 24, it tells them to serve him in truth with all your heart. We need to resolve to have the sincerity of service, this trueness of heart that we're going to do everything that God would have us to do. We keep on that path, we'll do just fine, and life will grow great for us. We're warned, warned quite sternly here. If you do wickedly, it says we'll be swept away. So we need to consider that in our lives either. So this morning, we want you to ask yourself, how are you walking? How are you living your life? Are you walking the good in right way? Consider this. Now this morning you have an opportunity to turn yourself around. If you've yet to be baptized in Christ, you can come forward today. All things are ready. 
we can take care of that right now. If you haven't been, if you've been baptized and you've kind of fallen away, and you need the prayers and support of this congregation, you come forward too, and we can help you get on the right path again. Whatever you need, my D, we ask you to come forward together as we stand and sing.